You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network. We would be honored if you would join us. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Damn Dolphins Podcast. The Damn Dolphins Podcast. It's Madman Mike, Robbie T, recording at. Yep. Recording on a Wednesday night at 9.36 p.m. Going to recap, uh, do some general takeaways from the... Uh, November line. 2nd, 2022. <laughs> yeah, November 2nd. So uh, me and Robbie, we're going to do some of uh, general takeaways from the Dolphins uh, defeating the Lions in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of the Bradley Chubb trade. And we're also going to talk about our number uh, our number one boy, uh, Tua Tungabailoa. And uh, we're, you know, some general statistics where, he, where he's leading the NFL and uh, where he is in, in other categories around the NFL. And some impressive statistics of his third and fourth down performances. Um, and uh, Rob's going to do his uh, five picks of the week. And I believe we're in week nine of the NFL. We're officially in week nine. And by the way, can I just point out before we start, Mike, you you better add like some sort of bell or something. Or some sort of like... It's another winning week. <laughs> it's working! It's working! We need a thumb to go this direction. You like that? You like that? I'll figure out something, man. Thank, thank you, Browns. <laughs> thank you, Browns. Thank you, Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah, the Browns saved you this week because I believe you were breaking even and uh, they put you yeah, over the top. I was, yep. I mean, pretty smart to make that bet before the Jamar Chase news. wonder how much that influenced a lot of betters there. But we'll discuss more about that later on. We'll go ahead and like... Oh, actually, before I start, since we're going to talk about the Dolphins versus the Lions, I just got to say this, bro. I, I need to say this. I know, I know there's probably no Detroit, Land, uh, Detroit Lions fans listening to this show. Hell, I kind of doubt there's even Detroit Lions fans in general. You know, we've been critical of the Dolphins for the last 20 years, and rightfully, and rightfully so. They never solved their quarterback issue forever. We were, our head coaches were guys like Dave Wanstatt and Nick Satan and Cam Cameron. And outside of some years with Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor, we never had no superstars, you know, on our team through most of our time, but it could be worse. We could be, we could be Detroit, we could be the Detroit lions. Cause after that trade news yesterday, giving up TJ Hawkinson for nothing. Like they, they traded the TJ Hawkinson. The 10th overall pick, the best tight end in that draft, a very talented offensive tight end to a division rival, and you didn't even get a first-round pick back? What a joke of the organization this is. This team this team looked a little promising at first. 
They won their first game. They lost their last five games. Dan Campbell, a former Miami head coach, interim head coach, I, I never bought into that hire. I think he was just only hired because they wanted someone the opposite of, of Matt Patricia, personality-wise. But, man, dude, at least we're not Detroit. You are a factory of sadness! Both as a city and as a team. I love it. Sorry, I just had I just had to say that because to to the Detroit Lions fans out there, I'm really sorry that you guys have to suffer all the time being a Lions fan because that's must be a very hard thing to do. Hmm. Yeah, man, it's uh, it, it's it's got to be tough for them, man. Just like and, and I'm and they've had losing season after losing season. At least we get like teased with with Miami Dolphins mediocrity, dude. This is this is a team that had Matthew Stafford, Calvin Johnson, and Indomitian Sue running the defense. And they had nothing to show for it, bro. That Matthew Stafford leaves Detroit for for the Rams and in one year he won a championship. Just to stick it to Detroit even more. And he has no beef with Detroit. That was a mutual breakup. Oh no, I know, but it's just it, it's got to stick to Detroit uh, Lions fans that oh, yeah. you know he, oh, yeah. the, sure, the moment sure. he departs, boom, Super Bowl. You know they can't oh, they can't even have a winning have... season. Yeah. Oh, let's not forget about the zero and sixteen season as well. Exactly. <laughs> just got. It's got to be tough, and then and then also, they had a fourteen point lead against the Dolphins. And as the game wore on, it just melted away. I mean, like ice, like ice cream on a hot Miami. Mm-hmm. And go ahead, talk about the game. Let's Mike. talk about the game. So, like I said, Dolphins uh, started off uh, in a fourteen-point deficit, but luckily we got one of the league's best quarterbacks right now, Tua Tungavaloa, numero uno, Honcho. And he th- and he threw for three hundred and eighty-two yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. Only got sacked twice. Uh, and and we and he did and he did not win AFC Player of the Week. No, he didn't. Know that because uh, he lost Derrick Henry with no quarterback to control. Yeah, but ooh, imagine imagine Derrick Henry was our running back. Ooh, yeah. Imagine if we had ooh. one. That'd be great. Mm. Um, mm. But drooling. honorable mentions. Tua Tungvaloa with his performance. Another honorable mention. Tyreek Hill, 12 receptions, 188 yards, uh, no touchdown. But Jalen Waddle, 8 receptions, 106 yards, 2 touchdowns. Mike Kosicki with a nice little touchdown uh, towards the end of the game there. I think it was the third quarter. Yeah, he didn't do the getty. He didn't do the giddy, Mike. No, the the gritty. The gritty. Yes. I don't know, people make fun of his gritty, but I don't, I don't know. It all kind of looks the same. Yeah, the then he did, and then he stopped doing it. Now people want him to do it again. But I like, but but it, love- but to me, it's like it, it's if you do it horrible and you know you're doing it horrible, and it's just kind of a joke of how how to make it look horrible. That's fine, but I don't know. I don't know if he's trying to do the gritty in a sarcastic sense, or if he's actually literally trying to do a good gritty and he's just horrible at it. I don't, it doesn't matter. I want him to do the gritty. 
It's it's not the same without Mike Gusecki doing it. <laughs> and Mike and Mike still on the team. Yeah, Mike Gusecki's in the team, scoring touchdowns. Yay. Yay! Don't get rid of him. I don't know how we're gonna figure out a way to keep him, but uh, we. Uh, hey, I, hey, I, I, I my my I thinking is there. Well, you know they can't trade him away now. The trade deadline's passed. Yeah, uh, but it just seems like they're trying to the way the offense is performing under Tua. It just seems like they're trying to just keep this whole band of brothers together as much as they can uh, to make yeah. a push, and that includes oh, the, exactly. the Brady. Yeah, if, trade. If, if this was like if this if this was like a three and a five team, then Gasecki would have probably been a trade casualty. But as a five and three team with a lot of momentum going, mm-hmm. even if you would have gotten something out of Gasecki, you probably would have gotten like a second rounder at most. And it's just why break up the band? If you got the roster to compete now, you know, let's keep the band going. Yeah, the band's going, and the band was going last Sunday. Uh, Tua, like I mentioned, man, he was making the most of those weapons. I mean, they they came in against a terrible Detroit Lions defense that's been really losing them games, no matter how many points the Lions put on the board. I mean, leading by 14, and the Dolphins were able to crawl back in that second half. Um, the Dolphins, they allowed an early touchdown and then Tua was leading a, a pretty good drive uh, down the field before I think it was Shurfield who had a nice little quick catch and he turned up field, but then he got popped and lost the fumble. And then, and then the, the Lions took it all the way down the field and, uh, got up to an early 14, nothing lead, but the Dolphins, uh, I did, and, and we mentioned this uh, on our last episode that the Dolphins are just a more balanced team than the Lions. The defense finally showed up in that second half, not allowing, not allowing um, any more Detroit Lions scores. And the Detroit Lions, they were they scored twenty seven points in the first half, and then the Dolphin defense made some adjustments, started sticking with their guys, and. Uh, not allowing any points in that second half, and Dolphins were Dolphins and Tua Tua Numero Uno Head Honcho was able to just keep it going, and uh, eventually we took the lead and we were able to hold it, and it was a good win, man. And uh, Tyreek Hill, the speed, the speed that Tyreek Hill has, there was so I, I mean he had catches from Tua, some deep shots from Tua, uh, but he is so freaking fast that just Tua and uh, unfortunately, you know, to his arm just couldn't get to him. But Tyreek Hill, like he he's not necessarily a tall receiver, but man, he will go up and he will fight for that football. And he's and he came down with the catches. There was also there was one that I remember where Tyreek Hill was like double covered on the right side, uh, and he had like a defender on either side of him, and he still blew through like the middle of those guys. And he was going so fast that Tua, like the moment the ball was snapped, Tua saw it, and he had to like rush that throw because of, because since Tua has kind of a, you know, he kind of throws in a 50 yard box that if you don't get Tyree kill that ball ASAP, Tyree kill is going to run past that 50 yard range. And then he, and then the ball is going to hang up in the air and he's going to have to stop and whatever. So Tua had to like sling it and it was a catch. Um, so you're, you're getting the catches from Tua, you're getting the reads, the progressions, the, the, the quick passing, uh, Tua on, on one of those plays, like he was sitting back in the pocket and then he just saw like, oh, like a 
freaking Moses spreading the the sea kind of thing where uh, there was just daylight in front of him and he ran upfield. He's using his legs a little bit more and he's sliding. He's being smarter and careful with himself. And uh, so, you know, in order to limit those hits and, and hopefully you won't get an injury from it. And um, yeah, it was just good, man. Uh, the Dolphins defense, um, they allowed some points to the Lions because the Lions are just a good offense when they are clicking. Um, and they have some injuries, man. Byron Jones wasn't playing in this game, so Verone McKinley uh, got to start opposite of uh, Javon Holland at safety. And uh, I thought he, you know, early on the, you know, they were letting the lines go up and down the field, but then uh, they stiffen. So it was a good showing by Verone McKinley, defensive coordinator, who's been impressed by his knowledge and ball skills. Um, uh, again, we couldn't get to the quarterback. Uh, we only had one sack on Jared Goff for 10 yards. Jared Goff still had a good day. And you can talk about all the pressures you want by Jalen Phillips, but you need to get to the quarterback, man. Pressures mm-hmm. pressures don't mean much if the quarterback's still throwing for 320 yards. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, so that brings us to our next subject, which is, uh, before the NFL trade deadline occurred and ended, there were some rumblings about the Dolphins and the Jets being. Was Wait, it Mike? Uh, may I interrupt for a second? Yeah, what's Mike? going on? I think we. I do want to discuss one quick thing about the game. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised you didn't bring this up, but I got it. We have to break this up. We got to rant, Mike. You know what I'm talking about. Let's do it. Do it, Rob. Do it. So to uh, take a little, uh, you know how people always like to bring up the almost interceptions. By the way, you only had one almost interception. Mm-hmm. Well, how come we don't do almost touchdowns? Because Tua had an almost touchdown that should have been a touchdown. A touchdown to uh, Sheffield where Sheffield drove, uh, died to the end zone. Oh, yes. I totally and forgot about this play. We were talking about it. I totally forgot to bring yeah. it, bring it, bring this thing up. Yeah, you, you take over, Robbie. And I'll I'll feed off of you when you're done. You're always feeding off of me. Yeah. Okay, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, so yes. <laughs> so yes. The yes, the infamous um the non challenge touchdown pass the non challenge touchdown pass that never happened. So long story short. So long story short, Sheffield dove to the end zone and it was it was marked one yard short. But looking at the replays, and even with my own eyes in real time, Sheffield clearly broke the plane. And just to remind our fans that they don't know the concept of breaking the plane, once the ball carrier gets the football to cross the ball, to cross the end zone line, the front end zone line, or hit the pylon with the ball, that is considered breaking the plane, hence consider a touchdown. And that and Sheffield clearly, and I saw it with my own eyes in real time. He clearly broke the plane and got a touchdown. The refs uh, marked as one yard short, which I'm actually kind of surprised because usually they would just mark it as a touchdown because they could always review it and reverse it if they have to. But what bothered me is if you're Mike McDaniel, and that coaching staff, or or even the players for that matter, like, 
look, if I was Sheffield, I am begging McDaniel, throw that flag, throw that red flag, throw that red flag. I caught that touchdown. Trust me. All right? You have to. You have to challenge that. First of all, we needed the touchdowns to begin with to catch up because we were still behind during that time frame. And, and second of all, you have no idea what's going to happen later on. You can – you again, I like Mike McDaniel a lot. I really do. And I know he has got a lot of things to work on. And I know he'll get better over time. I do think he's a smart guy. I'll figure it out. But not challenging that touchdown – is inexcusable. You're you're making a disservice, your disservice to your football team, your fans, and honestly, what is the risk? At worst, at worst, you lose a timeout. Okay, how many times we see teams burn timeouts because of almost delay of games happening? All the time. You're not going to burn a timeout on a chance of a potential touchdown? Now, no one's going to talk about it because in the end, we did get the touchdown the next play. But what would have happened if we fumbled on the next play and lose the ball? What would have happened if a false start happening and lose five yards and could not get into the end zone? That is insane to me. And I saw that in literally real time. I saw that with my own eyes in real time that his knee, that Sheffield's knees never hit the ground before breaking the plane. He was still, his knees were still in the air. And I'm shocked that, like, if I was Sheffield, I'd be like, throw that flag, throw that flag, throw that flag. If on these coaches, like, dude, they they see they they see these replays or showing these replays, they all have access to monitors. On these coaching stats, I'm like, challenge that, challenge that, challenge that. And at worst, you lose a timeout. You're still on the one yard line. Where is the risk? You just cannot leave points on the table. We were we're criticizing we're criticizing these coaches for not going for field goals. We gotta criticize these coaches for not taking a chance on a challenge to get yourself a goddamn touchdown. That was insane. That bothered me so much. I messaged Mike about this. Dude, red flags, blue flags, American flags, Russian flags, any flag that's not a white flag. <laughs> just just throw it. Throw it. At worst, you lose a timeout, and in the end, I don't even think we used any of our second, second, uh, second half timeouts anyway. It, it's insane to me. That's so bad. That's really, really bad situational football. That is inexcusable. And the only reason no, it's not a big deal is because in the end, we still got the we still got the touchdown to play later. So I know it doesn't matter in the end, but again, fumbles. Interceptions, penalties, sacks, anything could happen that would that would swing completely the other direction. Last week you gave up 
you did not kick a field goal to get up by two possessions and and then in a few nights later you're not throwing a red flag to see if you made a touchdown man like dude, I, I was watching the i was watching the heat game yesterday i was watching the heat game yesterday and if anybody saw the heat game there was that that foul that um they called on jimmy butler shooting foul they called on jimmy butler against steph curry but jimmy butler knew he touched ball first before touching steph curry's hand so what they do he was like challenge that challenge that challenge that and eric spolstra challenged that and we won the challenge and got possession of the ball sometimes I understand. I understand that you don't want to like fall fall the victim of what their players are saying, but I don't know. Like, but if your player is determined, hey, I I scored a touchdown. You go for it. You have to. You have to. I mean, the fact that the refs didn't even quote it as a touchdown, which usually they would do because that's how they review. That's a way you could always review it and overturn it if you have to, but. I don't want this again. I'm not gonna judge McDaniel for this. I'm not gonna judge McDaniel for this because it doesn't really matter in the end. But sooner or later, you're gonna be playing against Buffalo again. You're gonna probably play against the Ravens in the playoffs again, against Kansas City in the playoffs. If you know, if we make it to the playoffs, you gotta take a chance if it's gonna get you points points to win the object of the game is score more points than your opponent right mike oh yeah that's what i've been telling and telling everybody it's like madden one-on-one knowledge yeah it's not even analytics like right there that's just like bro. it's it's just common sense it's just common sense man if if i play if my guy is saying hey bro i i broke that or at least you know at worst, just throw it anyway, just to see. You have to, tr- you have to try and see. Like, let's go again. And then, what the worst thing you do is you lose a timeout. It is what it is. Just, just manage your time better than with two timeouts. Because, but you're still going to be on the one yard line. But if 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 you, if you know you broke that play, you go for it. Go for it. <sighs> Sorry for sneaking that. No man, but yeah, uh, but yeah, I had it. You're absolutely right, my friend. Uh, I like Mike McDaniel's too. I think he's doing some great things. I like the play calling. I like uh, the 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 team that he's putting together. I like the camaraderie. I like his message. I like. There's so many things I like about Mike McDaniel's. But yeah, the the I mean, one one of the knocks against him is that during game day you see like these weird head scratching moments, uh, and that that was that was a that was a big one. That was definitely a big one. Uh, yeah. I was at work watching it, and a lot, a lot of fans might not know, but I'm a bartender, and uh, I'm looking up at that screen, and everybody goes, everybody does like a big sigh or a big like, what, what the heck? And I'm looking up the TV, and I see the touchdown replay or the potential touchdown replay, and 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 very quickly, I just see him running another play. I'm like, what? Like, how are you not throwing the red flag and how are you not challenging that? I mean, it, it, it reminded me of 
uh, when Mike Mike McDaniel said when uh, Tua was uh, injured with a concussion and every and he was facing so much criticism about like oh how could you play Tua when he was obviously concussed and he was talking about how the doctors cleared him and he's like well if I can't play him then when the doctor clears him then when am I allowed to play him? And it just reminded me of that. I'm like, well, if you know that much, Mike McDaniel, when you, when you, like, if you can't throw the challenge flag in that situation, then, then when are you going to throw the challenge flag? That's like one of the, like, we, no, we, throw, the, we throw the challenge flag for first downs, uh, you know, uh, first downs, uh, 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 spot, spotting of the ball, uh, whether or not a, a guy fumbled the ball or not. Uh, like, this is like up there. When 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 the when when it's for potential points, especially when you're down by ten, they were down by ten at the at this moment, and and you need a touchdown, if not a field goal, but at least like if it's a potential score, and and it's that close. One, the referees did a bad job because they they should have ruled that a touchdown because I, I thought it was pretty clear, but. Yeah, like it, what worse, rule it a touchdown and review it because that way you can review. Yeah, it. yeah, yeah, but I but you know it's the referees they they can't. You know, be biased yeah, either no, way. No, it was no, just, no, no. it was just, like, like, it, it was a bad you, usually, thing usually in a real the time. Refs would just call, again, usually refs would just call it a touchdown mm-hmm. anyway and just review it from there. And by the way, this exact thing happened last week with the Lions. They freaking, I think it was Hutchinson or somebody got stuffed on the one yard line. And it looked like he did break the plane, and Detroit didn't challenge it. And then on the next play, freaking, instead of challenging it, they just ran another play. And then what happens? Micah Parson, 11 from heaven, forced the fumble. And the Cowboys got possession. We literally saw an example of why you should challenge plays like those, bro. Because anything happened the following play. And that happened to the team you just played against. You're playing. That happened to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you were watching film, you should have came across that. Uh, and used that as like a little uh, learning lesson there. But, um, yeah, man, it's it's the referees did a bad job of not ruling it a touchdown. Uh, if you're Mike McDaniel, like, like if like when else are you going to throw the challenge flag if it's not for a potential score of a touchdown when you're down by 10? When, yeah. when else? When else are you gonna throw the throw the freaking flag? You 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 need to throw that flag. It, it was it clear happened. he stretched out for it. <laughs> he, stretched, he literally. I just. I literally I saw, just watched I the play right now. He it's third and six. He hits him. He stretches out the ball like right either on top of the line or yeah. even even after that, even after the line. And uh and and. And I don't know, man. Yeah, if I was Sherfield, I'd be like, I for sure got that thing. Plus, you got your team in the booth who's watching the game, uh, either in, in, in either yeah. watching the broadcast or they probably have a, a, a slower uh, broadcast of the game, which is in a delays, so you could yeah. see the play again. And those guys should be telling Michael Daniel, be right in his ear, being like, "Hey, that's a potential score." And, and no, plus, you got the monitors in the sta- stadium. Whether or not they showed it, I'm not sure, but because uh, it's an opposing stadium. But you also got the TV in the stadium where you could look up, look up, and see the replay. 
Bro, I saw the play in real time, and I clearly saw him break the plane. I saw his knees never hit the ground first. They should, everybody should have screamed in McDaniel's ear. Dude, I remember one time, I remember a Dolphins game years ago where Joe Philbin was our coach. And I think it was Brian Hartline who, like, got in the end zone. I think they ruled him out of bounds. And Brian Harline was begging him, challenge it, challenge it, challenge it. And Philbin was reluctant to throw it, but he did it anyway. And guess what? It was a touchdown. I still remember that. I, re- I remember Brian, thro- Brian, Brian Flores throwing a whole bunch of flags. He might have lost every single challenge, <laughs> but, but he, would th- he would throw the challenge All flag. The time. So, All the I mean, time. uh, you, you, he won, by the way. Yeah, I, I can't believe I, I cannot. We, I, like, I looked around the bar and I'm like, how did he not throw the challenge flag? And we're, and, and everybody, or I was around, was just like, we don't know. Wait, why is he not challenging it? But, uh, yeah, bad, bad big no, no there, big no, no. You're in hostile yeah, cher- territory. You're down by ten. You need to throw that flag. In the end, we got it, but like Robbie said, anything anything could literally happen on that drive. You could end up with maybe a field goal. You could end up with a turnover. You know Exactly. Yeah. And again, this literally happened to the team you're playing against literally the week prior. Though it's so it's 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 insane to me. I know we I know we went a little too much on this, but this need to be discussed because no one's talking about it because I know it doesn't mm-hmm. matter in the end. But again, any any mess up can cause momentum killing, momentum swings. Those are real things that happen. That happens. So it's a good win, though I still don't like the. the... Let's just let's just hope that like if you just just for any Dolphins players that. Listen to our our show, which is probably none of you guys. For the love of God, if you feel like you broke the plane, if you feel like your toes hit in, hit in bounds, challenge that, please. Beg your coach, challenge it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, moving on. I just want to mention some impressive to us statistics right now. The force is strong with him. Because uh, there's still some non-believers out there. I got a I got a guy at work that still thinks he's a one-read quarterback and that he's not any good. Uh, okay, so just uh, let, let me just spew out some facts here. Tua uh, missed uh, roughly two and a half games, and he is he's 18th. In passing yards, okay, with uh, 1,678 yards. But he is one more above Lamar Jackson, who has 1,635 yards. And Lamar Jackson's played two more games than Tua, officially. And Tua has 12 passing touchdowns, which is tied for Justin Herbert, who has played one more game than Tua Tungavailoa, and I mentioned over the offseason how I don't think Tua Tungavailoa is that far away from Justin Herbert and Lamar Jackson, and everybody laughed at me. They thought I was a madman. I thought I was crazy. Well, who's laughing now? <laughs> so, okay, so we got that out of the way. Tua also leads the league 
in, I believe it's uh, yards per attempt. Leads the league in yards per attempt. And also, uh, he leads the league in quarterback rating. He is also, uh, he's seventh best in yards per game. And he is, he only has three interceptions. So he's roughly taking care of the football. Uh, he is very, very good at his decision-making. Um, and his completion percentage is top three. You got Geno Smith, Matthew Stafford, and then you got Tua. And that's – and just – Matthew Stafford is top three in percentage. Oh, yeah. I don't know how, but he's he's up there. I don't know how he done it. But, um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so we have seen um, some uh, interception-worthy throws by Tua, but they haven't been caught, so uh, roughly taking care of the football for the most part. So that's very good. Uh, some of Tua's uh, values on third and fourth down. Tua has a rating of 142.7 on third down and 158.3 rating on fourth down. And on fourth down, somehow he has a 100% completion percentage. And he Good. and on third down, he is uh, 72 uh, completion percentage. Uh, just to split it even more, and these rate and th- this is these are clutch downs, ladies and gentlemen. These are clutch situations. These are the these are the the downs where you keep the chains moving, you keep the drive going, and that's what you want out of your quarterback. Uh, this is the clutch stuff. So um, on third and fourth and six, he is a completion. Uh, third down and uh, between four to six yards, he has a completion percentage of seventy three point three and he has four touchdowns on the on those downs and 151.9 rating uh on third down and seven to nine yards he has a 66 completion percentage um and he has a 84 rating which ain't yeah, not so great, but whatever. But on third and ten plus, he has a seventy-six point four seven completion percentage. He's got two touchdowns, one hundred fifty-seven point one rating on fourth and four. Uh, on fourth between four and six yards, he has a hundred percent completion uh, rating. Uh, I mean, completion percentage and one hundred four point two rating on fourth down and seven to nine yards. He has a hundred percent completion percentage rating. Uh, and 158.3 passer rating. So pretty elite stuff from Tua Tungavailoa. He's our man, and uh, he he is numero uno head honcho for the Miami Dolphins, uh, and he's getting the ball to Hill and Waddle, which is something that we love to see because that means Mac, Mike McDaniel, Tua, and everybody, they're they're maximizing their talent to the best of their ability, and he's basically undefeated when he uh, starts and finishes a game. And without him, we can't win a single game this year. So that's how freaking important Tua is. The moment he came back, we're back on a winning streak. We've won two in a row. Granted, it is to the Pittsburgh Steelers and it is to the Lions, who are I don't even know the record because they're so terrible. Right now they are one in six, and they're one in three at home. But uh, hey, man, we're taking care of business. 
Uh, we did what we were supposed to do. Tyreek Hill and Waddle were supposed to go off against the Lions defense. They did that. We were supposed to win. We did that. And coming back from a 14-point deficit, uh, no matter how you put it, is still impressive. So it's nice to see that we were down, faced some adversity, and we were still able to come through, uh, not to mention all the defense, uh, all the defensive injuries we have in the secondary too. All right, moving on. Bradley Chubb. Uh, right before the NFL deadline happened, uh, we uh, traded for Bradley Chubb, and the Dolphins gave up a what a 2023 first rounder, uh, Chase Edmonds, and a 2024 fourth rounder, if I remember correctly. Um, Robbie, what do you think of the trade? Loved it. Uh, loved it, loved it, loved it. It'd be nice to never give up first round picks, but you know, that's just how the game works sometimes. Um, it'll also be nice if the league didn't take away our first, our actual first round pick. Uh, it would be nice if Stephen Ross wasn't an incompetent owner and he wouldn't, he would just stupid, do, he would just play Steve. things by the rules and you know what? Just don't get involved in football decisions. How about that? How about that, Stephen Ross? Sounds good. So, I'd rather, to be honest, just to make it quick, I'd rather have Jerry Jones who runs his mouth all the time and actually knows football than have Stephen Ross who doesn't just just gets us in trouble all the time. That's true. All righty. Um, so yes, as for the trade itself, yeah, it's a. I mean, we basically we did two big trade. We made two trades: the Bradley Chubb trade. And uh, trading for um, Wilson, I think Jeff Wilson is his name. Uh, yes. Yeah, from the 49ers. Um, it was a great. That's really great trading by Chris Greer and McDaniel and the Dolphins organization. Uh, first of all, that shows you that this team is committed to Tua. Like any chance that the the Dolphins use a, a first round pick on a new quarterback or anything like that? Because I always thought the theory was they stockpiled in the back and later on to you know potentially trade up for a quarterback if Tua doesn't. Come yeah, out. those are just more false narratives to go against Tua, but he's shutting yeah. everybody up. That's why I love him. Oh, That's what I've been. We've been saying it, Robbie, yeah. for 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 going into his third year. We've been saying it. Just give him a chance. Give him some support, and yeah. he'll be good. He's doing it. Yeah, he does. He is. We are giving him a chance. I got to give Chris Bear props. He stood by, you know, in an era now where teams pivot as soon as possible, you know. You know, Josh Rosen didn't work out after one year, and the Cardinals were just like, screw him. We're, we'll just take Kyler Murray and hope for the best. Pivot uh, direction. Miami could have done the same thing, but they decided to just hold on to two and actually build a team around him, build an offense around him, get him a guy who cares. Again, when Tua got drafted, it was blatantly obvious that Brian Flores wanted nothing to do with him. Brian Flores never gave him a staff to work with him. And that was that was pretty much the end of Brian Flores. Again, I I don't even still agree with the firing of Brian Flores though. 
I did I did think he was a good head coach, but when you're doing nothing to help out your quarterback, when you're clearly having a, a feud with your quarterback, and you're begging and you're basically using the media to to in this initiate a trade to get Deshaun Watson, who now I wonder how everybody feels about. I notice how everybody feels about that that trade with Cleveland now. Because I just want to point out, I just want to point out, I heard a lot of media people were pushing the Dolphins to trade for Deshaun Watson. Cleveland does it, and now Cleveland looks like the most horrible organization ever. You know, I just just got to point that out. But yeah, in the end, in the end, we live in an era where the quarterback is always going to win over the coach, and the Dolphins organization. I, I don't know, maybe maybe out of stubbornness, but maybe they do believe that Tua can be something. They just needed to find the right guy to harness that, which they have. And clearly, now they're so invested in Tua now. I think, I think at this point, you kind of don't have a choice because Tua is still under the rookie contract. So you have to take advantage of all the, the salary cap situation you got. And let's get him some real players. And that Laramie Tunsil trade, that Laramie Tunsil trade, which in turn got that 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 really really high Houston pick, which they flipped for other picks, and those other picks became Jalen Waddle, Tyreek Hill, and now Bradley Chubb, a stud pass rusher, a position we desperately need. Manuel Akla has not been very has not been good at all. Since his contract extension, Jalen Phillips is getting to the quarterback, but he's not sacking the quarterback. So maybe getting a guy on the other side is going to help out those numbers as well. Now we have a legitimate pass rusher in Bradley Chubb. You know, great athlete, a top five. I think he was the, the fifth or sixth pick in that draft. And no matter what, if this Miami team is a playoff team, which I think they will be, you're going to have to play Lamar Jackson again at some point. You're going to have to play Buffalo. Well, I mean, we're going to have to play Buffalo regardless again. We're going to have to play Kansas City at some point. We're probably we're going to have to play probably Cincinnati at some point. Maybe San, uh, San Diego at some point. I mean, I mean, you and I could probably play defensive end against Ryan Tannehill. <laughs> um, but the point is, they, this team is telling you, we th- think we're good enough to go far, and we're going to get some studs. Because in the end, players win on Sunday. Head coaches win on Saturday. Players win on Sunday. You need players. Miami has been getting players. And Jeff Wilson, and look, let me just let me just give let me just say this. I'm not gonna trash Chase Edmonds. It was a nice pickup, off-season pickup, that just didn't work out. But Chase Edmonds did try. He was being a hard worker, but in the end, he clearly wasn't working for McDaniel's system, and he just wasn't working out in general. So it's not like he got cut or anything. He's going to a team. 
<laughs> he's going to a team that needs a needs a running back because Devontae Williams is out. And Miami picks up a very good white a uh, good running back from San Francisco that knows the Shanahan offense, that knows the Mike McDaniel offense. It's a good it's a it's a good win move for everybody, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I like where Miami's going. Maybe you maybe you find someone off the streets that maybe we can still find. Who knows? If we have money left, I think someone made a suggestion about Odell Beckett Jr., but I don't think that's gonna happen. I don't really want that to happen anyway. But overall, <clears throat> overall, great um, you know great trade deadline. Miami is all in. I'm excited. All right, and I've just sipped a, I sipped some Coke real quick. I'm gonna, well, I'm gonna sip my Coca-Cola. Coke Zero then. Coca Cola, Coca Cola products, uh, unofficial sponsors of uh, Coca Cola, Damn Dolphins podcast. Unofficial sponsors, and we hate Pepsi. No, we hate Pepsi. Pepsi is a uh, ally to the Russians, uh, but we love uh, Coca Cola, <laughs> and we love uh, uh, places that supply Coca Cola, like uh, Steak and Shake. I swear to God, guys, we don't even. We this is such ad libbing at its best. Yeah, this is it. But hey, man, we, we do. We, me and Rob love Coca Cola products, and we <laughs> we originally started this podcast uh, at hanging out at Steak and Shake and just shake. talking football. This is true. Uh, this is go true. back this to it. Go true. back to our first episode on on the Spotify playlist. I mean, you'll you'll see it. Okay, so. Um. Yeah, Bradley Chubb. Uh, you get one of the league's uh, better pass rushers. Uh, to, uh, 2018 when he entered, uh, you know, during his rookie season when he entered the NFL, uh, he had 12 sacks. Um, it kind of died down. He had some injury plagued years. Uh, the following year he only played four, uh, four games. Uh, the year after that he only played. He missed like a couple games. He only played 14 games. Then the year after that he only played seven games. Um, but you know when he does play, uh, that 14 game season he had seven and a half sacks. And it was zero sacks in 2021 because he was injured. And in 2022, he's got uh, 5.5 sacks right now. So we're entering week nine. You kind of get sacks half the time. So he's probably going to end the end the season with uh, 10 sacks at least by the pace that he's going on. And, uh, you know, he's he's more of a guy that I think can, uh, can get to the quarterback a little bit more. I think Ogba has always been a guy who can get you – uh, maybe just up to maybe 10 sacks, but at least a handful and a lot of pressures. Jalen Phillips, uh, within the two years that he's been here, yeah, he's he's had a hand, handful of sacks too, but he's more known for getting pressure. Maybe if you get this guy more as your number one and you could have like a rotation between Ogba and Phillips on the other side or a mix of and all Melvin three. Ingram. Oh, yeah, and Melvin Ingram, who, who was fantastic. I think he was defensive player in the month of weeks one through four, I think. Yeah, that's true. That yeah. was nice. Slow down a bit. He's, yeah, he's, he's slowed, slowed down, down now, but but um, if you maybe if you could throw this guy in, in the rotation, who's relatively young, who the Dolphins I think are trying trying to extend already, um, or at least have talks with him uh, on an extension. He's going to be here for a while. Uh, maybe you could have offensive lines like shade their protection more towards Chubb, and that'll free up things for either Ogba or Phillips, who whoever's rushing on the other side. And maybe they'll start getting more pressures so and more sacks. 
So, uh, you know, you kind of help one side by helping the other side kind of thing. One, yep. one hand washes the other. Um, uh, good player. Glad we have him. Relatively young. He's going to be entering his uh, first big money contract. Uh, and uh, the Dolphins, an aggressive move. I mean, you don't trade around. You don't trade away your one and only remaining first round pick that's in your hands to uh, another team. Uh, if you are true, if you truly don't believe in Tua and you want to move up and get a quarterback, that's not happening. The Dolphins are actually making aggressive moves for big names to actually uh, go all the way this year and just load up and help their quarterback out because it's obviously that they believe in Tua and they're trying to assemble uh, like some some big additions to help this team reach the playoffs and potentially go further than that. Um, just on the Jeff Wilson acquisition, I think the Dolphins uh, traded away a 2023 fifth-round pick, if I remember correctly. Or it was some late round pick like that. And um, Jeff Wilson, uh, I like it. We traded away Chase Edmonds, who uh, was a good pickup for us. He kind of improved every – he kind of like upgraded our our backfield there for a little bit. Uh, he started off kind of strong. Then he's been in a funk the last couple of weeks. Kind of lost favor with the coaching staff, had drops. He dropped too many pa- – he's dropped yeah, too many he, 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 I think he, that's what Yeah, he, he was known for being a guy who could come out of the backfield and catch the ball, and he's been a funk uh, – he's been in a funk uh, dropping the the football. So uh, we traded away – we traded away a first for a proven commodity pass rusher, and we traded a running back who's struggling <laughs> uh, to a team that desperately needs anything they could get their hands on with running back. Uh, and then we acquired Jeff Wilson from the 49ers, which is great because he's he's a running back who has had uh, some success this year, filling in for for an injured uh, Elijah Mitchell, I think it was. And uh, you know he he's filled in for him. He had games of uh, let me see here, he's had games of like 84 yards, 75 yards, 74 yards, 120 yards, and in those games he's uh. He's had two touchdowns total, and he can also catch the football a little bit coming out of the backfield. So he's a guy who could split carries with Raheem Mostert, and he has familiarity with Mike McDaniels and his running scheme coming from the 49ers because Mike McDaniel used to be over there. So it's a nice little addition. You get you get a good pass rusher, and then you kind of replace what you lost a little bit. Uh, so it's a uh, you know Mike McDaniels ain't no dummy. You know, we need help help in the backfield, and, uh, you know, it's cool. It might be a little bit of a downgrade, but uh, from a a running back who was kind of struggling, you kind of break even a little bit, or at least we hope so. So, I mean, look, I know – It's a good acquisition. I know Cream – They're both good traits. Yeah, I know – I know Cream Hunt was the more desirable candidate, but – Making that move required like locking him up. And I don't think Miami wants to lock him up or even Jeff Wilson up. Like Jeff Wilson is a nice schematic kind of player. Like he's gonna be more for the scheme, which they really need at this point. 
because we we do need to figure out a way to improve our running game. Like Kareem Hunt would have probably been better, but I think he would have commanded more assets to give up. And I don't even think Cleveland wanted to get give him up just yet. Honestly, I think Cleveland thinks that if they could just hold the fort till Deshaun Watson comes back, then maybe they can make a run. That's probably why I don't think they traded Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt will just walk at some point. I'm sure a team will overpay for him, but I, I like what Miami did. I think they I think the star they got the star that they needed. And I had a very nice complimentary piece that can help their offense. Um, yes, and also the fourth round, uh, I mean, the first round pick that we traded for Chubb. I remember that's the 49ers pick. And the 49ers are, I mean, what, I th- are they 4-4 four and four right now? But they're like four. They're, and four yeah, they're four and four, I, I, but they're I, probably they're one of the better teams in the a- NFC right now, and they're probably going to be drafting towards like the the lower half of the first round yeah, anyway. It, so it's gonna it's gonna be a repeat from last year, honestly. So you trade around you you trade away the uh, the first round pick to get a number five overall selection. I have to really bring this up real quick. I'll try to be quick yeah. about this because you know I don't want to like drag on stuff like this. Um, we still got to talk about like up against the Chicago Bears, but <clears throat> this has been like pet peeve for some time now because in the last like let's say the last six years, I have known like teams are more willing to just trade away players. It's become very NBA ish like. We just we just went we just we just saw Denver trade away Bradley Chubb. We we just saw Denver trade away Bradley Chubb, who was like the fifth or sixth overall pick in that draft, where Denver theoretically could have gotten Josh Allen. You know, just to kind of just put some perspective, what I'm trying to explain. We just saw the bear. We saw. We saw the Bears trade away Rokon Smith, who was, I think, like the eighth pick or the ninth pick, a, a great linebacker for like a second rounder. We saw the, and we literally saw Detroit in division trade away the 10th overall pick, TJ Hawkinson, the best tight end in that draft, for like a second and a third or something like that. And at least Denver got a first round pick. Granted, it's going to be a late first round or anyway, but it's still a first round pick. What I'm trying to say is that what I'm trying to say is that the the point of drafting these players, the point of these teams bottoming out is to get is to like your your job as a GM is to find these amazing players in the draft, these top players in the draft. Even even us Miami is guilty of this. We traded away Laramie Tunsil and Mika Fitzpatrick. Like your job is to find great players in the draft and hold on to them for as long as you can. And it's driving me nuts that we're seeing these players just be traded away for unknown commodities. Again, I like to bring up the Tennessee Eagles trade, the AJ Brown trade, because it's just a perfect example of what I'm trying to say. 
the Tennessee, for whatever reason, did not want to extend A.J. Brown, even though he's been a, a, a life changer for that organization besides Derrick Henry. They trade him away to Philly. They did get a first-round pick, and they drafted a guy who's supposedly similar and or another A.J. Brown. But that concept doesn't make sense because you already had an A.J. Brown in your roster. Why don't you just lock him up? Why is it, why 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 give up stud players to just get some unknown commodity that you have no idea that's going to be good or not? It is very hard to draft good players, and when you get these great players, lock them up, keep them. I, I love that Miami chose to hold on to Mike Gesicki, even though there's always these rumors about he's on the trading block or or he doesn't fit their system. Dude, if they're great, figure it out. That's what coaches are supposed to do. They're supposed to maximize the talent they have regardless of what they if they fit their system or not. And it's a GM's job to find these great players and hold on to them for dear life. Okay? It it just it just drives me nuts because again, Miami literally did that that in like the same year they traded Laramie Tunsil. Look, the Laramie Tunsil trade, I will admit, they did get such a haul for that. It's very hard to say no. Seattle got a great haul for a safety for Jamal Adams, you know. So I I can't blame us or the Jets for making those trades because they got such a haul. But I mean, we do we really needed to trade Minka Fitzpatrick. It's just because because they they were playing him wrong. You know, I I know it's weird. Like I know I know it's a weird rant I'm trying to say, but it's just it just bothers me because I do think you're kind of making a disservice to your fans and to your locker room that you're just you're just saying that everybody's so expendable expendable. And it's just that's not really a message you want to give. You want to show free agents that this is the place to be. You want to show the fans that, hey, we and then again, fans, by the way, fans love homegrown guys that these teams drafted and all that. Why do, you, why do you think the Miami Heat are so popular? Because we drafted Bam Avidabayo and Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson and Max Strews and Gabe Vincent. There is this sense of love and pride for the guys that we found, those are our guys that we drafted, that we found, and all that stuff. Of course, you get a major free agent at some point. Of course, you make trades for good players at some point. But again, if you if you got a TJ Hawkinson, and he's really great, and he's still on a rookie contract, why holding on to him and figure something out? how to make it work. Don't just give up a TJ Hawkinson for a second rounder from your division rival. That's a joke. And that's my rant. (laughs) All right. All righty, man. Um, 
I will say this though that Larry Vitonso, uh, Larry Vitonso gas mask, the gas mask Larry Vitonso wore on draft right before draft night, really changed our fortunes like such long term. It is kind of obvious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, it started with a gas. Yeah, he was a good player for us, though. Um, it, and I think he also there was some article or a tweet that said like he he kind of jokes with uh, Chris Greer every time they make a trade like that has that has to do with the picks that they got uh, from initially <laughs> trading him. Yeah, I heard. Yeah, about yeah, that. He, yeah, uh, he, he jokingly that. says, uh, "Take me back or bring me back or something like that." Um, yeah, and I, w- I wouldn't be opposed to it. I, I really wouldn't. If we could find the right deal, uh, I wouldn't mind having him back. We'd love to have him mm-hmm. back, but um, that, that's gonna be hard. I think even I think even Houston knows that they have like nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's like like Larry Tunsil is like one of the only decent things they still have. Well, bring so. bring him back. Put him at um, right tackle. Yeah, Austin oh, Jackson's like, still injured. Brandon Shell, no, no, but he's Brandon Shell's been playing. He's good, active though. though. He, yeah, but no, but Austin Jackson, he's he he. They activated him from. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see, back. we'll see. Maybe uh, maybe next year we'll trade for him. Who knows? Anyway, so uh, what you want to preview uh, the Dolphins and Bears or no? Or do you want to do your uh, five? Let's make it, so make it quick. All right. Uh, Bear, Bears suck. They're three and five. They just got their butts whooped by the Cowboys. Dolphins are five and three. Uh, Tua is playing good. Justin Fields with all the athleticism. Uh, he has been playing better. He's. Not, I don't think he's where Tiger Bailoa is. I don't think the Bears' talent is where uh, the Dolphins are. Uh, they are one of the better teams at rushing the football, but I think, if I remember correctly, uh, I think uh, how good is the Dolphins' rushing defense? I think I think we do. I believe we're one of the top. I think we're on the top yeah. half. I know for a fact. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the top. Uh, we're in like the top six uh, against the run. Yeah. So uh, if we shut down the run, we should be able to take care of business against them. Um, Look, best way to say this is this: keep Justin Fields in the pocket. He'll make some bad decisions. Um, simple as that. He is not. He's really good. He's really good off script and really good on the run. He still has. A, he's still a work in progress in the pocket. Yeah. Uh, Surprisingly, I, the Bears have a pretty decent uh, pass defense according to according to the metrics here. Uh, yards per game, they only allow 188 yards through the air. It's actually pretty surprising. Right. Um, hmm, interesting. Yeah. All right, Bears. I still think has a has a really bad roster. They did give they did trade away Rokon Smith, their best player overall. They did get uh, Chase Claypool, so that's a nice upgrade for them in the wide receiving game. Um, and I'll give this coaching staff this: they're changing their offense up to what to Justin Fields' strengths. But in the end, this is still one of the worst rosters in the league. I I know we're gonna be at Chicago, so there might. So the air game, depending on the weather and how windy it is, could be a factor in the Bears' favor. But in the end, we're the better team. The Bears are still might be one of the worst rosters in the league. This should be again, if you're a playoff team, if you if you're making these moves because you want to consent for a championship, you have to beat the bad mm-hmm. teams. Simple as that. There is no excuses. The Bears is a bad team. The scheduling is getting very easy right now. We have to take advantage of this scheduling. You have to, especially when uh, the thick of the AFC East. Uh, I mean, Dolphins are in third place. 
Bills are six and one. Jets are five and three. Dolphins are five and three. Pages are four and four. It's a uh, it's a it's a race. It's a race. Right now. They're in a, it's a uh, race. I do think. I do think. I do. Th- <laughs> I I do think the it'll correct itself at some point. I, I the 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 Jets will eventually get on a losing streak at some point. Uh, it's it's, it's yeah. yeah. Zach Wilson still ain't the guy as far as he's showing. Oh, yeah. yeah. So um oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Chicago Bears, uh, one of the worst passing. Dolphins are better at passing. Uh, can they harness Tyreek Hill and Waddle? Uh, that's going to be really hard to do. I feel. Uh, just gotta, just gotta play our game. Hopefully, we can run the ball a little bit better than we usually do, and uh, and just take care of business in Chicago. Sounds gotta good. do it. All right. All right. All moving right, on uh, to Dolphin, uh, moving on to Robbie's five picks of the week. Alrighty then, cue that music. I have got to get you new tracks. I always get lazy about that. Uh, play my music. Um, so yeah, um, we are officially done with week eight of the NFL season, and once again, what is this, fan? My friends, my friend Mike, my fans. Uh, our fans, Mike. Uh, I am making. I am making our fans. I. I really hope that people do listen to the show and listen to the picks. I really hope. I really. I'm being dead serious. I, I take this very seriously. And look at this. Another winning record. We at least for the entertainment value. At least for, exactly, exactly. But like, I want to help. I do this because I love sports betting. I love gambling. Like. If if this is my vice, then so be it. I I rather have this as my vice than say be a crackhead. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yes, this is an, another winning record week. We're literally since like week three on, we've been literally on a roll. Uh, I have I have got to get the actual percentage numbers. But... Oh yes, I did. We did have Miami. I I thought Miami would cover the spread. Uh, they were three and a half. I thought they would cover that. They won by four. Did you know most, all the sharp betters actually had Detroit? But I, I pick Miami because I trust Miami. I'm not picking Miami this week, though, so just a heads up. Um, I did take Tennessee. Dude, Derrick Henry is so good. Yeah, yeah I'm here. <laughs> I'm listening. Yeah. Ten- yeah, Derrick Henry is really good. Mike. Do, do I have to remind you? No, he's good. He's good. He's really good. He's really good. Uh, Tennessee cover the Tennessee was favored by one and a half. They cover without Ryan Tannehill in their center. Malik Willis, Malik Willis was the um, the starter, and I, I, that guy kind of sucks. But Derrick Henry is very good. And didn't I say you guys take Cleveland and the points? Division rival at home, Monday Night Football, and this pick was ticked before Jamar Chase. Announced that he was out for the next few weeks, so this made my bet so much easier. Now, fortunately, uh, I have got to stop picking Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's weird. Like when I want them, when you give them like a lot of points, they they're, they're just basket. a bad team, man. Oh, yeah. like, like I know they're living on defense, but they're uh, you know it's by reputation. They, everything yeah, they, yeah, like yeah. everything's by reputation with Pittsburgh now, but it just it's just not their year in any way. <laughs> it's not. It's really not. I their respect year. their organization, but but you know they they're having a down year. That's that's what it is. It is what it is. 
it is what it is. And uh, the Giants lost the game again, finally. Uh, it looks like their little run is up. Who picked uh, the Seahawks? But, okay. Um, you picked the Seahawks. I did. I picked I did. the Giants. I did. Yeah. I think you did. I did pick the Seahawks. All right. So let's go ahead and go with the week nine of the NFL season. Uh, my five picks of the week. Hey-o. Hello. Take them away, Robbie. Always take them to money. So just a, just a remember, these these are the lines as of right now at this time, 10:44 p.m. November second. I'm basing these lines based on Bovada. So these are the lines we're gonna go with, and just to get everything started, let's go. I actually have the five picks. I'm gonna take for sure. So there's no checking and see. Um, first things first. I know last week I picked the, the Browns because of division rival game, close game at home. And usually should take the, the points. Um, this time I'm going to give the points. Um, I know I said I hate Green Bay right now and I would never pick them. But here I am picking them. Uh, Green Bay minus three and a half at Detroit. Um, let me say this about the Are you sure you want to do this, Robbie? Uh, yes, let me explain why. The second half in that Sunday night game against the Bills... The Packers were outplaying the Bills. The Packers didn't do enough to catch up in the end, but they were playing better in that second half. And now they're going to get their mojo back now against a division rival who they beat up almost every year. A team with the worst passing defense in the league. A team, by the way, that traded the TJ Hawkinson away for absolutely nothing for no reason. That's signaling, that's signaling you that they are pretty much punting the season. And yeah, the def- and they also fire their defensive backs coach as well. So I think this is the game where Darren Rodgers gets on the same page as his wide receivers. I don't know if Christian Watkins is going to play. I think he's on concussion protocol. But, you know, Romeo Doves, who has some real talent, will be a better, will be a great player down the road. He'll get his targets in this game. And, I think Green Bay, they're going to get their mojo back starting with this game. I know it's three and a half points. I know it's a lot of points to swallow. But in the end, Green Bay is still the better team. I get the better coach. I get the very better quarterback. They, they beat up the Lions all the time. The Lions, they're, they're pretty much done. They're done. They're, 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 they're done. I think that loss to Miami was the ultimate seal of that game. I know I'm giving up a lot of points, but I think Green Bay will win by a touchdown. Next. Uh, don't worry, I got my picks. Don't worry. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to go with the Washington Commanders plus three and a half against the Minnesota Vikings. Let me explain. Ever since Tyler Heineke took over the team, I mean, first of all, Washington is on a three-game winning streak. And Washington is 2-0 with Tyler Heine with Tyler Heineke. <laughs> Tyler Heineke is not so bad. He's a gamer. He's got experience with the organization and the team. He'll throw it up to his I receivers. Player- yep, I think the players like him. Again, I'm I'm pretty sure the players buy into Taylor Heineke more than Carson Wentz. And yes, Minnesota did upgrade it with TJ Hawkinson, but Minnesota still all their games are decided by by one possession. 
so it's a lot of their whims can go either way. Unlike most sharps out there, I do think the Vikings are underrated. I don't think they're a fake. And I do think the Vikings can make a push for a Super Bowl run. But that still requires trusting Kirk Cousins, which I still don't trust. He is the best 1 p.m. quarterback in the league. But I think I get a Washington team that's playing a little bit better. Their defense is not so bad. I like their coach. I like Tyler Heineke. I'm going to say that Minnesota wins by a late field goal. But the commanders uh, cover the spread. Three and a half is just a lot of points to lay on a sneaky Washington team that's kind of figuring their stuff out. Remember, that running back that was shot, he is playing now. He will be an impact of the game. The, the defense is good. I don't think Chase Young is back yet, but he will be back. And again, I kind of like Taylor Heineke. Like I, th- I think he's got he's got he's got a gamer in him. I kind of like, you know, you know he's he's not a great quarterback, but I don't think he's like, I don't think he's the reason why Washington loses games. If that makes sense. Remember, uh, I think it was a couple years ago he was in a playoff game against Tom Brady, and uh, his team like they were losing. I mean, they eventually lost the game, but a lot of those teammates on the sideline were patting his back and giving him some support there. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that locker room really likes it. I think a lot. Very well liked that. Um, so, yeah, I think Minnesota wins it by a, by a late field goal, but Washington covers. Uh, next, um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals minus two at home. Let me explain. Uh, Cardinals are desperate, first of all, they know their season's on the line. They know that this a this NFC West is probably more up the grabs than people think. I think I think public I think the public and even the sharps are kind of overvaluing Seattle now. I think people are kind of getting on the Seattle train. I'm still hesitant on that. I think the Geno Smith story has been a great story, and Geno Smith is going to be the runaway uh, comeback player of the year without a doubt. But this is still a team that I think this is still a team that was literally like trying to tank early on or like looked like they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league um i think they kind of had a little things go their way they're playing really well but i do think they're going to pull back now i think arizona first of all kyler murray has always been a little bit better at home than on the road um it's a division rival game deandre hopkins is back and they are playing better with deandre hopkins in in you know you know in the rotation, of course. Uh, Arizona is also a desperate team, and I'm only giving. And the weird thing is, even though Seattle's the way better team record-wise, you know Arizona is still favored by two. So Vegas is telling you that Arizona is a little bit better team, which I kind of agree. I think Seattle is on the overrated side. It's a fun story and it's cool what's going on but i do think i get the hunger arizona i got the more desperate arizona team that's literally playing for their playoff lives Cliff kingsbury is playing for his is coaching for his job at this point and kyle murray needs to shut critics up i think arizona will get even though like they're technically not even the underdog in this game so, but 
two points. That's nothing. I think Arizona wins by a field goal. I I I think they will try to bounce back, and this is a good game to bounce back against a division rival, who I think the the a lot of the public is kind of overrating at this point now. So I'll take Arizona minus two. And let's see here. I, oh yeah, I'm gonna go now. The Las Vegas Raiders minus one and a half. I think the um, I am not going to. I think the Raiders are also a super super desperate team. I, I, I they're to me they're, they they just they just got they just got embarrassed by the Saints. That's not gonna happen again. There you know you know how you know how it usually is Mike when you've been when you get embarrassed. By a team, teams that get embarrassed, they always bounce back. You know they've been hearing it all week how awful they were, how they got blanked by Andy Dalton, by a, a by an over by a not a very good Saints team. Josh McDaniels is definitely coaching for his job at this point, and you know this Raiders team outside of that game against the Saints has not been horrible. They they lost a lot of one possession games. They lost to the to the Chiefs by a point. You know they have a good running game with Josh Jacobs, and they have Devontae Adams. They have weapons. They're they're getting healthier. I don't know how to explain about that Saints team. I think it's just one of those bad games that you have to just kind of like burn the tape and don't look back. I think they do bounce back against a Jaguars team that the public. And the Sharps were so overrating since the beginning of the season. They had a very good few for early few weeks, but it's been crashing downhill. The Jaguars are still a super young team that they don't know how to win yet. Yes, they have a winning head coach, but the team itself doesn't know how to win yet. Trevor Lawrence has had a great start, but he has been not very good in the last few weeks. There is a theory that he might be playing Kirk that we don't know. This game is at Jacksonville, but again, Jacksonville and the Chargers are the two worst home field teams in the league. There's going to be a lot more black jerseys than green, uh, than teal jerseys on Sunday. I get a Raiders team that's neat, that needs to get their heat back. They... They know they're way better than what happened last week. And again, Josh McDaniels is literally trying to prove the world. He is not a failure. He's not an OC only guy. He could be a head coach. Yeah, you know how I feel about him. But you, this is a desperation moment. But a Raiders team that needs a win now to save the season. They're going to go to Jacksonville. They're going to beat them. It's minus one and a half. I expect them to win by either at least between a field goal or a touchdown. They are, in my opinion, the better team than a Jaguars team that I think at this point they're building for the future. They traded away uh, James Robinson. They traded for Calvin Ridley, though he's not going to play until next year. They pretty much know that they had their chance and they've been blowing it. They're punting the season too. They're looking in for the future at this point. They, they're, they're, you know, Doug Peterson is not gonna get fired or anything like that. He's on he's on the safe zone. Um, 
But yeah, I, I, I get a Raiders team that just needs it just a little bit more. I'll take the Raiders. I think they'll win outright. Minus one and a half. And finally, uh, finally, Monday Night Football game. Another Monday Night Football game, but I love this. Baltimore Ravens minus two and a half against the New Orleans Saints. Love this pick. I'm only I'm only giving two and a half. Again, most games are decided by a field goal. The Ravens upgraded their defense with Rokon Smith. That's going to solve a lot of their issues on defense. I get a way better team. That offense is built to travel everywhere. There are very more of a run-centric offenses. Those offenses tend to travel better. Even at the Superdome on a Monday night primetime game against that crowd. This Saints team still <clears throat> is completely overrated and not very good. I, I think their wide receiving core is still banged up. The wide receiving core is banged up. They're getting a lot of injuries. And again, it's Andy Dalton. Look, if it's not Andy Dalton, it's Jameis Winston. Um, I'll take I'll take Lamar Jackson over any of those guys. I, I'll take John Harbaugh over Dennis Allen any day. I think this team is going to be full of themselves because of how they won last week. That They will pull back. Uh, again, the Ravens are a better team. They're going to keep their momentum though. They know they got to keep winning these games to keep their playoff pushes alive. I know they're leading the division right now, but, you know, Cincinnati will call up to them at some point. Cleveland, they know that uh, Sean Watson is coming back at some point for Cleveland. And they know they got to play against Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. So they got to at least win a lot of games to get some sort of home field advantage. The Ravens are just a better team, in my opinion. Only giving two and a half points. Games are usually decided by a field goal. I think they'll win by a touchdown. I, they're just a better team. Simple as that. I know they had. I know they. They've had some um, fourth quarter disasters. Roquan Smith is going to solve those issues right there. And again, I get the better kicker. I get the better coach. I get the better quarterback. I. I get the better offense. I might even get the better defense. I and I'm only giving two and a half. That that's that's to me. I'm actually surprised that line is like that's. Yeah, I'm surprised it's that small too. Yeah, that like, like I, I'm going for, like I know especially I'm in the Ra- the game. Raiders and the Jags game too. I'm not surprised about that line, but but yeah, I know I'm picking a lot of favorites this week, but I like these favorites. I think these are just. I got. I get a lot of teams. I got a lot of favorite teams that need to win. They need to win these games, and they're going to try to win these games, and they're going to win these games. Simple as that. I'll, so I'll take the Ravens minus two and a half. So just to repeat everything, Green Bay Packers minus five. Um, Green Bay Packers minus three and a half. Las Vegas Raiders minus one and a half. Buffalo. No, I'm sorry. why did I say Buffalo? I'm sorry. Uh, Washington Commanders plus three and a half. My only dog this week. Arizona Cardinals minus two, and Baltimore Ravens minus two and a half. All right. And those are my f- my five picks of the week. Let's try to go five and zero, oh, guys. All right. Let's try to go. Any opinions, Mike? Um, not not right now. Um, yeah, I I, I don't know. I just want to end the show. <laughs> Yeah. All right. All I can't. Right. I, I have some disagreements, but not enough time to get into them. All right, buddy. All right. Well, uh, definitely, definitely got to use some of your picks for this week. So, um, we're ending the show. 
Damn Dolphins Podcast. This has been Mad- Madman Mike and Robbie T. Uh, DolphinsTalk.com features us. We're also available on Fin Heaven, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So, uh, Damn Dolphins Podcast signing off. Good night. You're listening to the DolphinsTalk.com Podcast Network.